Welcome back to another episode of Everything Aviation Podcast. Today we talk to Sam Salcombe. Sam is ex-cabin crew. He is chasing his dream to be an airline pilot and is also a Royal Air Force cadet instructor. Sam, how are you? I'm very well. Very well, thanks. Uh, the crap, mate. Don't hold back. Hey! All <laughs> <laughs> oh, good this end. So... Just a quick introduction to people who, who don't know Sam. Sam is a mate of mine for the cabin crew with us, uh, but um, he's now left, and he's also a um, Royal Air Force cadet instructor. Um, so, yeah, Sam, how, how would you... First of all, how did you get into aviation? Have you always had an interest in it? It's a question uh, I listened to uh, one of your other podcasts today, and it's uh, virtually a similar answer. Um it starts when you're young, you know, or it's in your blood to begin with, you know, you, you love it or you hate it, and I definitely love it. Um, I was about 11 years old, and uh, I think I just remember being on, it was a hol- hol- going on a holiday like you do, you know, and um, I was on a plane, and it was my first sort of conscious experience. I'd been on planes before and not really remembered as such, and I was like, wow, you know, it's just amazing, you know, such an amazing experience, and then... Uh, I've got an obsessive, addictive personality, um, so I pursued it in my own sort of way, read about it and whatever, um, and then uh, I spent a lot of time with my granddad, who's Irish, uh, so big up the Irish, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was the one that actually recommended, uh, oh, you should go to the RF cadets, and but ne- never, heard, never heard of it, you know, it was a, you know, committee introduction, so I was banging on the door before I was actually allowed in there, I was actually too young to join. Um, so they actually let me in a bit early. Back in those days, you'd get away that kind of thing. So um, they let me in a bit early, and uh, that that was sort of my first introduction, if you like. And uh, yeah, um, and go on to talk um, about the whole career that I've had. Really, you can you could say um, within the cadets. Um, and that's how, that's how people describe their cadet careers, you know. I know myself as a, as a CI with the Royal Air Force Cadets 172 Squadron here in Hayward's Heath. I, know, I understand how rewarding it is and stuff, but I've never had, in coming from Ireland, we, we haven't had anything haven't had anything like that uh, with, our, with our military, as, as in we, we didn't have a, a young kind of cadet thing to be. So just just give us a rundown, Sam, of, of what's involved with the, with the Royal Air Force Cadets. Ah, oh, God. How long have you got? <laughs> um... God, the Royal Air Force Cadets. Okay, so it's aim. They have uh, a few aims and ethoses and you know, plans of what what they aim to do, basically. Um, and what that is, um, as such, is to foster the spirit of adventure, um, foster the interest of aviation, um, develop leadership. If you, you know, if you've got it, or and they'll, they'll make one out. You know, make a leader out of you if you're not one. Um, that's the general sort of. The basics for them, they, they sort of branch out from there, really. Um, I, I often get asked, as an instructor, what do you guys do? Um, obviously, we fly. That's one aspect. We glide. Um, some people jump out of planes, but you can... The best way to explain what we actually do is pretty much anything, as long as you can make it happen, um, you know, in a, in a legitimate way. Paperwork's obviously a big side of things, um, as, you, as you'll probably know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's a bane of my life, paperwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, you can make anything happen, and uh, we can talk about, you know, stuff I've done, certainly. Um, the stories I've heard, that other people have done, um, but I've, I've done, you know, a lot in my time, not everything, but um, it's, I'm here to tell the tale, and uh, obviously still sticking around to encourage others to do the same, so. Fantastic, and can you, can you give us a rundown on your, as you say, um, cadet career? Yeah, so, as I said, uh, I was banging on the door, at the time, um, 
the age for joining was 13. I, I was you know, 12, 12 and a half when they let me in. And um, I'm going to say this because for any you know future cadets that may be um, thinking of joining, um, the first six months are very daunting if you've got, had no previous military, and I'm going to say military because it's a military organisation. Um, it's quite daunting because you, if you have no one, no reference to what that's like, it can be very overwhelming. Uh, and I actually did think of leaving at, at the stage a, a couple of times. Um, and obviously, I'm no, very glad I never did. Um, so it's just a case of waiting that out and, um, you know, seeing that probation period, as we call it, through. Because um, after that, the opportunities keep on coming and you say yes to them and you have a, you know, an amazing time like I'm about to tell you. So, yeah, um, they let me in early and I'll go forward from there. Um, it's the initial people, that the newbies, if you like, they get the opportunity. So you'll, you'll have sort of parade nights twice a week. Um, I'm sure you do the same. Um, yeah. They vary from squadron to squadron. Um, and at the end of every parade night, the, the CEO, commanding officer, will, will sort of say what, what's on, what's coming up. There's opportunities, camps, for example. You can spend weeks away at RF bases, uh, weeks away in forests, and learning how to camp and bushcraft, survival techniques. Um, one of the things that I, I never thought I would do, uh, apart from flying, um, and gliding was actually long distance walking. I did the um, nine mega marches for, for those of you who haven't heard of that. It's a hundred mile walk through Holland, 25 miles a day. Uh, it's the biggest walking event in the world. Uh, I've done it once, um, and there's a few qualifiers for that that happened in England at RF Cosford, which is a 50 mile event over two days. Um, I've done that four times. It got cancelled this year, so I can't get my silver medal this year, unfortunately, but there you go. Um, always next year though so something something to work towards you know and I find that with, <laughs> yeah. with the cadets and everything is is there's always always something to work to work towards and if you put in I think someone someone said it to me before I think it might be my dad he said you'll get out of something what you put into it and I see that a lot with the with the uh, with the cadets it, and it's so true uh, I, I, on that subject Mikey um, I had a guy um, he was about I mean it's you're thrown in the pot with all ages as well you know you've got 12 year olds mixing with 20 year olds so you don't get that I, I don't know of anywhere else you really get that. And one of the guys was just finishing his cadet career as an actual cadet as such, not a staff. He had just come back from China on the International Air Cadet Exchange, and he, he said exactly that. You, you really do get out what you put in. Um, it's a very rewarding organisation to be a part of. So, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And so you, you, you got let in early, um, and you've. I take it that, that you... you quickly progressed up the ranks then as, as you seem to get the hunger for it after you you got over that first kind of six month period just tell us what kind of what, what's involved in going for a promotion because the, the ranks work kind of as in you're in the actual air force so it would work as in you would you would go in as a as a cadet and then work up to corporal and sergeant and so forth yeah um i'm glad you've asked me that question um because it's something i was as a cadet i was always concerned with sort of the experience and Every cadet you speak to, sort of, um, is very pro going up the rank structure, but they don't really know how to go about, you know, getting that. Um, and the whole underlying principle is leadership. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, it's taught. It's about, you know, we have what's called uh, in the air cadets, uh, they were called at least at the time, forgive me for my uh, lack of, ac uh, not acumen, but... Uh, abbreviations of what but they work with PLTs, personal leadership training exercises. Um, and it's basically a test of character to say, there's a load of shark infested custard, 
this is the situation, um, this is a mission, how are we going to execute it? Um, and it's kind of like who's the first to step up and, you know, be that leader and such. Um, and it's really that the people that are in charge that look for that, that, that sort of shining star to, to show themselves through the crowd and such and take charge of, of a crowd. Um, but without being too overpowering, you sort of command respect as opposed to demand it, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's how I'd say you sort of progress up the ranks as such. Um, as opposed to the actual official process, I mean, I'd say that's the more subjective side to it. Um, again, in the parade nights, um, every year, they'll look for promotions at, a, at an annual inspection. That's how it worked on my squadron, at least. Um, and they'll, they'll ask and names go up on a sheet normally for people that actually want to go for it. And, you know, you simulate, especially this is good for young people to do, is that they give you interviews, um, which is good practice for, for outside of the cadets, you know, in, in actual life, you know, so... It gives you the sort of leg up you like, you know, if you like, it to, in the real world. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, just just give us a rundown then after you've you've got through the door yourself. Um, what what how did you quickly grasp? Like what rank did you rise to, and how long did it take you to get there? Uh, I got to a sergeant, um, and that took me sort of the whole time I was there. Really, um, I was doing. I I wasn't. I'm not a born leader. I, I really had to sort of learn and figure that out. As I said, I didn't have a military background. It was all new to me. Um, so I, I would sort of say I was slow on the uptake, even like compared to some others, um, which is why I sort of actually teach this kind of stuff now, because it's so important for those who have not got that background and make them aware of the skills um, necessary. So, yeah, I got to a sergeant. Um, took me the whole sort of, I mean, I was 13, when I joined, so they, they couldn't promote me for a year as such. Um and they, it's a bit of a, at the time, I suppose a bit of ageism. Um, they, they never used to really promote the first one um, to corporal uh, till about 14, 15. And that's just a maturity thing, I think. That's just, you know, you have to learn, sort of take charge. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I got a sergeant, that took me about five years. Like you said, you put in the work, you get out of it. Um... You, you, you get out what you put in so it's quite cool to see people going through ranks myself like I started in 2000 and I think it was February 2018 and like you see newbies coming in now who are now wearing them three stripes on their shoulders and it's fantastic to see um, it really is. It, it's, it's really really good so you get the opportunity to go flying in the, in the RAF cadets um, how would you when when you took your first flight how did you feel and what was it what was the aircraft uh so at the time it was a grop tutor however it wasn't actually my first ever flying lesson as such i actually my dad was uh, in a fortunate enough position um to be able to treat me the first one just before i joined the air cadets uh, and that was in a cessna but however for the um for the rs cadets their their main powered flying was um grop tutors at the time however i believe they've now changed um or are about to change um but yeah as far as my knowledge is concerned. Uh, the Cobb Tutor, which is a German aircraft. Um, Prince William trained in that. I think Harry did as well. Um, how was it? It was, you know, as an aviation enthusiast, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, there's nothing like it. It's music to your ears if you like the first, you know, the first time. So yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. And um, did you did you get a, a flying scholarship at all through the RAF or a gliding scholarship? Yeah, that's right. Um, so this is something that didn't really happen sort of until the end of my career. Um, it was something that I was so committed as a cadet, you know, I would take a bullet from a squadron if you like. Um, 
you kind of that's how it gets you um and they sort of saw my commitment slipping off as um as i really threw myself into my a levels um you know never came naturally to me so i had to really work at it and you know you're managing the plate spinning if you like and um that was sort of the one i had to put on the back burner so um yeah um as sort of an incentive they sort of offered right let's let's give him the scholarship and uh see if he comes back to it or you know just commits a bit more um which was amazing unfortunately i didn't commit a bit more i had to throw myself into my studies uh, but yeah i got my gliding scholarship um i went for that i started that at 17 and finished it at 17 um that was back in about 2011 2012 i think it was um so yeah that was a series of weekends up at rf kenley 615 um, which is basically in between Gatwick and Heathrow, uh, for those of you who don't know. Um, and yeah, series of weekends, gliding, winch launched. Um, and then at the end of it, you, you go solo, weather permitting, which I did. Um, and then, yeah, that was. they did actually recommend me to come back for further uh, flying. If you got on it, they, they do that for anyone that gets on okay as such. Um, but at the time, I said to them, and I said to them, you know, I'm studying for me. I wasn't really have to, you know, study hard. So I sort of put it off. And um, for reasons I can explain later, if you like, I never did. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Brilliant. And what's, I've, I myself, the only gliding experience I have was uh, when the engine stopped one time on, on the front of my airplane and uh, I had to pick a field very, very quickly. So what, what is a glider actually like to fly? Because even myself, I'd be quite interested in, in knowing it because, like I said, I've never had any gliding experience. I've seen them. Um, I've just never never actually had a spinning one yeah uh so uh, using the comparative method if you like uh it's, it's far quieter it's, it's far quieter there's no need for big you know noise cancelling headphones um it's a lot lighter the wingspan's a lot greater um the acceleration if you're winch launching is far greater yeah <laughs> i think it tops stealth i think it's zero to 80 in about 2.4 seconds where stealth is zero to 60 in the same time i think so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite rapid um it's and for those of you who don't know winch launch is uh basically a big i think it's a lamborghini engine they use um attached to a bit of uh steel wire rope that extends the whole length of the airfield and then that goes into your glider it winds around a big drum and you you're attached to the other end of it and you know if you use your imagination that's how you get up yeah, no, I've seen videos of it and stuff, and it's just so silent. Like, I'm, I've got the Bose noise cancelling headphones myself, and like yeah, you say, yeah. there's literally no need for them inside these these aircraft because it's it's yeah. silent. I, I say it's very peaceful, is it? Yeah, uh, and it's surprising how long you can stay up. I've known a people stay up for, for literally hours climbing on the thermals, um, as well as again comparison. Um, the, the thing that I found sort of jumping back into a power flying after doing gliding is literally the speed of a circuit um it's you've just got to be a lot more quicker when you go back to power because everything's happening faster it's coming at you faster but you've got more time it's a bit more leisurely in the glider if you like so yeah but it's like climbing to a glider take your watch off and just kind of time time just stops yeah. <laughs> whereas if you're, you're flying powered stuff you're kind of watching the time every everything's just doing your navigation yeah. and stuff of where you're going to be and pressure, yeah yeah it's high pressure environment in the power flying yeah Brilliant. And then taking your skills on from that, you then joined as cabin crew. Um, yeah. I'd say the RAF skills, they, they set you up well for that. 
Yeah, uh, definitely for for interviews. Uh, basically, like like anyone that joins uh, cabin crew for that for the uh, for the well known airline that we talk about, you go to the HQ. Um, it's a big sort of assessment day, if you like, um, and they test skills um, mainly customer service, a bit of leadership as well. I believe I, I would say that's there. Um, again, it's not really honed in, but yeah. Um, God, what a what a career that was. Um, it was something that. I'm glad I did, um, you know, sort of, I know in my head that, I, you know, I, I want to progress with my flying training, um, but definitely, you know, glad I've done so far, but yeah. I'm not, I don't even really answer the question there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been, like, can, can you give us a, a quick kind of rundown on, on what your career with that well-known airline was, was like? <laughs> um, wow. Where do, where do you start with that? So, like I said, you go to the assessment day. Um, I won't talk too much about that. Um, if you're successful, you find out via email and uh, you, you then progress with your security checks and whatnot. You then start, uh, when i done it, I know it has changed since. Um, you then start a six-week training course, basically, and that's done up at um, Heathrow. And, uh, yeah, that that's covers everything from learning how to fight fires, learning how to do CPR, first aid, all of which, again, are very transferable um, from the everyday experience. Um, but, again, for, for a lot of people that don't have that experience, it's, it's very new. Um, but, you know, they're there to, to teach you and, you know, helps you get, get through it. It's, uh, it's a good program. It's a good program. Stressful for some. Um, and, you know, it tested me at times. But, yeah, it was... Uh, the, the training aspect is amazing. Obviously, after that, you're then, you then you, you do your super, what's called a supernumerary flight after that, which is you're just an extra on board uh, an aircraft that you may well you have trained on. Uh, for me, it's the triple seven and the three twenty, um, the Airbus three twenty and the Boeing triple seven. And then uh, after that, you sort of gain experience. Uh, where I was based, it was done sort of on seniority. So the more experience you have, the you can choose sort of the uh, let's just say more relaxed position on board the aircraft uh, but as you'll know you're never really relaxed when you're when you're cabin crew so yeah <laughs> you're always doing something yeah um, yeah but yeah i mean in terms of destinations i've flown all over europe uh, most of america parts of south america um I, again where i was based we never really went too far east the only destinations i've done east was the maldives and uh you can tell me I want to. It's 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 a kind of life that no one else really understands. You, you know, you can go to America and back three times in a week and think nothing of it. Um, and your friends are like, oh, you know, it's such an amazing, you know. But it's it, you just you just adapt to your lifestyle. You know, you are what you experience. And I've done other jobs where where I, you know, sort of looked up to them, came and thought, oh, I had it. But once you do it, you, you sort of learn to understand why. Um, you know why that is? Yeah, I call it as in I call, I call it going inside the bubble because I find that it's like you said, it's really hard to explain to somebody else who isn't in that organization of the lifestyle that you are living, and people find it really hard to get their head around that when you go to work, you could be gone three, four, five days at a time, you know, and yeah. just. People can't get their head around that. The fact that you've you've popped to, I don't know, Boston for 
24 hours and then you're going to be back and then you're going to have two days off and then you're going to go to the Maldives or you're going to go to Canada you're going to, you're going to go somewhere you know it's not like a conventional job where um you're just you, you get up at you get up at half seven and you have your shower you go to work you sit in the office all day with I don't know Brenda you don't like across the way and um I've done that as well <laughs> what, what would you prefer office job or, or, or flying job definitely flying um but by nature i'm an adventurer and anyone that does that job is is of a similar spirit you know um i'm an explorer i love to explore it's very it's in my it's in my blood you know i love i'm up for most things i wouldn't say anything but yeah um it's it, you've got to be that way inclined you've got to be able to cope with uncertainty definitely um as you'll know you know it's i mean just just the trip that's planned you know for example you might have a 24-hour trip to America planned, but it ends up being a forty-eight or you know seventy-two hour trip. You know, it's it's you can't if you plan, God laughs. You know, exactly. <laughs> you yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere. Yeah. I, I said it to someone before. I said it's the only job I've had where you you go out the door and you'll take the time that you get home loosely because you can be you could be home before that time or you could be home days after that time. Um, yeah. I've had it one time. I was I was somewhere in the Caribbean and. We just the, the the plane got we got an email saying that the plane wasn't going to be turning up, so we had to um, yeah we, we we got an extra extra evening there, which was which was quite quite cool, quite unexpected. But it's one of them where you think if you have your mindset on coming home, it would it would devastate you. And I always you you got to be very flexible with with that job, I think. And it would always turn out the way you didn't want it. So if you, if you wanted to be home, you know you wouldn't be, and if you didn't want to be, but you know vice versa. It would always turn out that way, and anyone that does that job will tell you, yeah, that is the way this industry works. It's a uh, sort of law, as some call it. Yeah, yeah. And going going back to the, to the six weeks training, um, I know a lot of people. There, there's been documentaries about it and everything. I don't think documentaries show the full kind of how tough it is, as I say. It's not an easy course to do. Um, it, it's full of late night, early mornings, lots of study. Uh, and like you said, you're training. You're, you're training to be a firefighter. You're training to be a policeman. You're training mm-hmm. to be world class waiter. You're training to be a doctor, or not a doctor, but a paramedic, as to say. Um, yeah. And yeah, like it, it's just it's it's madness, really, when you think about it. But at the end of it, like you said, you have all them transferable skills that you can walk away with and use in kind of outside the bubble life. Yeah, that's it. And it it kind of it it slots in very very nicely, but it is a very kind of taxing job if you'd agree where you've just got to you've, you've got to be in that kind of frame of mind to go and to go and do it and it's uh, well, uh, Joe, I go as far as to say it's more than a job it, it's a lifestyle because you've uh, got to adapt to yeah. it yeah definitely um, I mean one experience I can talk of there's not many people that say I mean I, I went to Miami and I was in a VIP lounge with Bob Marley's brothers you know that was like, you can't relate that to some people, you know, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to, you know, the, uh, the training, it's, it's exactly like you say, it's, it's very taxing. Um, it, is, it is difficult for anyone that's not been in that environment before. Um, and like you say, all the, all the skills are very transferable. So it's, it's good to come to the table being that kind of person in the first place, you know, versatile, um, agile. You've got to be quite mentally robust. Um, yeah, it, it all helps. But yeah, it's very taxing, I would say. 
Hundred percent. Like you said, it's frame of mind. You know, when when you're up at forty-one thousand feet crossing the Atlantic, and there's say eleven of you all together. If anything goes wrong, it's it's the eleven of you that have to sort it out, really. So you kind of, like you said, mentally robust to go and do it. But uh, I definitely yeah. recommend someone to. If they're looking at a career like that, definitely to go and try it. I've I've not regretted it myself, and I don't think you have either. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I, I have to say I do miss it. Um, but uh, what I'm doing is part of a bigger plan. So yeah. And are you currently in pilot training at the moment? <laughs> well, given the current climate, well, <laughs> I'll tell you how it went. Would you want to be in pilot training at the moment during all this COVID nineteen stuff? Yeah, different category question. Um, so, I tell you how it went. February, uh, well, New Year, you know, like everyone does, they set their resolutions, their goals and whatnot, their vision for the future. Uh, I was no different, I was an exception, um, but I was following through on it. Um, however, lockdown happened. Uh, I got my Class 1 medical um, in February time. Um, and even though I've got sort of the experience training as such, um, yeah, I've got how many hours I've got um, flying, I, I was sort of in the mind to start from scratch again, you know, because um, you need that before you go to for, for your GFT, your general flight test for, for people listening. Um, so I figured I'm just going to do the after PPL um, from scratch. I'd done one lesson and then they locked it down. <laughs> so I was like, no, I was literally ready to go. Um, just, got, you know, financially, you know, set up to do it. Um, yeah. So it's a bit disappointing, but they have now reopened, and uh, I'm waiting for a callback actually from my instructor to um, to progress. So yeah, brilliant. Have you have you got a timeline to uh, of, of what you're kind of hoping for between sitting here now to being fully? I take it you're going to go ATPLs, uh, which is air transport pilot license. Um, I take it you're going to go full on uh, air transport pilot license with this. Have you got a timeline from now f- to to when you you may expect that? Yeah, um, so sort of just just slightly off on a tangent um, for your listeners, yeah, mainly for the benefit of them. Um, you've got two routes. You've got the modular route, which is I like to explain that it's it pay as you go, you know. Whereas you've got an integrated where you go to a school and you could be qualified airline pilot within eighteen months. I think they get a time frame. My personal time frame is with a modular route, which is what I'm doing. Um, yeah, sort of got, again very flexible. Um, relating it back to those skills um, it's you do it at your own pace my personal um, sort of aim was was about five years um, the aim was to get the PPL within this year uh, and without sounding um, you know like I'm blowing me on trumpet too much um, with the cadets a lot of the skills um, that I've learned I mean I teach sort of uh, principles of flight and things like that on a squadron on a weekly basis you know so um, a lot of the stuff that I've had to study for the PPL, I sort of already know. Um, I think the, the only one that is very specific and uh, very different to, to what I do know is the air navigation. Um, it's a bit more challenging. Uh, but yeah, so the, yeah, the aim was to get that within a year, the PPL um, component to the rest of it, and then sort of go from there, really. It's a semi-structured plan, which is how I like to live. At least, though, you've, you've kind of you've got a goal um, and you, you've yeah. got a, a kind of a rough timeline again. With this COVID nineteen stuff going on, no nobody knows when it's going to be. I, I like like you said, who wants to be in flight training? I'm kind of regretting a career in aviation at the moment because everyone else seems to be going back to work, and I'm still sat here wondering if we're going to go back to work. But yeah, um, and who, who where are you doing your flight training? Uh, 
Aerodrome head corner, don't you've heard of it? Have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of head corner. Um, I yeah. used to be around skydiving quite a lot, and head corner used to be one of the destinations we'd go over on training right. camps and stuff. Yeah, I've done a jump there myself, actually. Uh, yeah, it's a good place for that, it's very well known. I've jumped once before. But yeah, no, so I'll be doing the PPL component there. Um, and the uh, the ground school exam studies, you know, for, for the ATPL exams. My intention is to do that with Bristol Ground School after I've sort of done that and whilst doing the hour building on top of that, so yeah. Brilliant. And then once that's all done, where do you plan on heading to do the uh, the instrument ratings and the um, full-on commercial licence? Uh, so it's a place called FTA, which is down in Shoreham. What has been your most memorable flight so far, be it in work or out of work or with the cadets? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, it has to be. Uh, oh, God, that's so hard. Um, I even find that one very tough to answer. Yeah, that's tough. Um, the first solo is always good, you know. Um, that's always going to be good. Um, however, I think a pro... Uh, so outside of work, I'd say, yeah, first solo. There's absolutely that's, that's no comparison. The smile you get... Um, you look like Mr. Zippy when you come down, as you'll as you'll know. You know the smile you've got across your face after doing that. And for the age I did, I was I was relatively young myself. I was only seventeen when I done that. I was um, the same. Yeah, seven seventeenth birthday. I um, yeah. the instructor climbed out, and I remember thinking. He said to me, "Go off and do one by yourself." And I remember thinking, "Where are you going? Get back in here now!" And he shut the door, gave me a little wave, and ran off. Yeah. And then he got on the handheld radio, and he said. Um, I trained in a, in a place called Carnan Aviation. He said, Carnan Aviation ground, he said, uh, students, uh, instructors got out, students going for solo. And that's, that's the kind of time when it hit me. And I remember sitting there for two or three minutes of looking for something wrong with the engine as an excuse not to go. And everything was in the green and it just looked right. And in the end, I had no more excuses. So I just had to go for it. And I remember taking off and thinking, this thing is climbing like a, a homesick angel. Because, um, you know, you, you, you've probably seen it yourself when you went solo in the gliders and stuff, and it's, it's one of them of where the extra weight of your instructor, be it not that much, when it's removed, these things are as if they've been propelled by the earth and have just been shot up into the sky. And exactly that, yeah. It, before you know it, 300 feet, you're still over the top of the runway, whereas before you were over the last threshold of the runway, still climbing and... I remember getting into the downwind and everything was responding lovely and it was the downwind I'd done all my checks that I needed to do, did my downwind call and I remember actually thinking to myself, Chase, this is this is mad and looking over to the right hand side and seeing the, the empty seat and thinking to myself, I'm I'm actually flying an airplane, no one else is doing this, it's it's me and my safety net that was there is now gone, so this is all down to me. And it's just, when you land, like you said, the zippy comes out, it's just the best feeling in the world, and you just want to go again. That's yes, exactly it, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, if you touch on so many points, it just, they resonate with me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no comparison. Um, inside work, it was uh, sitting on the flight deck for the approach to JFK, I'd say that's the... the uh, and that was like a, a jumbo jet. This wasn't glider, but yeah, exactly. Going back to what you said, you know, exactly. It's so true what you said. You know, propelled by the earth itself. Um, I only got one warning of that, and that was in the glider, which is lighter uh, um, than powered anyway. Um, and he literally said, "Oh, just just so you're aware, um, you're gonna as you sort of pitch down as the as you release your your winch cable, um, 
it's going to be a bit different than last time because you know me fat so I'm not sat behind you this time and Kai wasn't lying um, pitched forward and you know it was like 10x you know just on pressure you needed less you know yeah. Um, and exactly that feeling. I, was, I don't know why, but they told me, just sing your way through it. Sing your way through it. Because it's so quiet up there. Just sing your way through it. You'll get through it that way. <laughs> I, I find myself doing that. Anyway, I sing to myself. And when I get into turbulence, I find myself cursing the airplane. But I also find myself cursing it into like a song of Eminem or something like that. It just comes naturally. <laughs> um, people who know me know that I, I love to have a sing song anyway. So when I'm yeah. flying away, I like to have a sing song. And I find as well, I don't know if you found this, I find that when I'm in kind of a a high, I wouldn't say, yeah, maybe a high stress situation because I'm kind of flying and stuff and you're going through your checklist. I like to have a little chat with myself and chat to talk myself through everything because then it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of hits home that you actually do know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um, yeah. One one thing it, it trains you to do, I mean, from experience, I remember with... Um, with the, with the gliding training specifically, um, you, you practice, um, you know, for these kind of dangerous situations, high pressure situations, whatever you want to call them. Uh, what we have to practice for was a, a cable break. So, for example, this cable that's propelling the aircraft across the airfield and up into the air, um, you've got to simulate it breaking. And the way you do that is you just actually pull it pull it off sooner than you're actually supposed to. Um, so we lined up, uh, ready to go, start hurtling down the the airfield, um, get up, and uh, I, I thought that he pulled the cable um, away from the airport. And all of a sudden, I felt this nudge from him behind me, pressing the control button for me. It was like, I dealt with it exactly how he, he told me to do it. Um, if you were below a certain height window, you had to turn uh, to a 360 and just land, basically, underneath yourself as such. Um, if you were above a height window, you did something different. But that's what I had to do put it down on the ground, and uh, he said, Carl, you done well there. And uh, he said, you know why, didn't you? I said, no. He goes, oh, it was a real cable break. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a real cable break, which I dealt with. So he obviously had reacted as an instructor should. You know, he's thinking, God, I've got to deal with this. But he thought, oh, well, no, I've trained him how to do it. Let him deal with it. And I did. But, you know, exactly like you say, you, you, you give yourself a little sing song, you go through what you've already trained to do, and, and you do, you know, you put it down. It, it's very funny because when when my uh, it started off, I was in the downwind. I had a mate from school in in the the seat beside me, and I remember thinking on take off. It was what well, didn't seem as powerful as before, and hit the downwind anyway. And I thought, oh, no, I'll get this down fairly quickly now. And she had a partial failure first, and it was fine. I just went, and I thought, oh no! So I gave it full power. She came back. I was like, great this time. She um, started coughing and spluttering all over the place again. And I was thinking, oh, no. And at that point, I didn't realise until after I seen... There's a GoPro footage of it on uh, on YouTube. And all the way from that point to the ground, I didn't realise. But I was singing away to myself. And one of them was um, the Foo Fighters, the Pretender. And the whole way to the ground, I was just belting out Dave Grohl as the, probably the best that I could while I got this airplane back on the ground. <laughs> I found as well also, you kind of, your training kicks in when you do that, doesn't it? And it's only, it's only afterwards you kind of sit there and go, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it helps the training. Um, and as you'll know, everything everything in aviation is procedure. It's literally, you just go into that, whatever you, whatever the situation is, there's a procedure for it. Um, and 
that that's that's because you know the pioneers before us have you know failed and made checklists as, as a result of that for us to avoid doing the same thing exactly um, it's all like doing safety reports and stuff you see people who who are a little bit cautious to doing safety reports but the whole thing is 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 putting up your hand and saying yeah i messed up this is what i'm going to do to learn from it and then myself yourself anyone else you know you can look at that report and you can learn from it exactly that which is which is quite quite a, a good thing to do because i know there was a culture um i've seen it myself i'm sure other people have seen it as well where it was people were or didn't want to put their hands up because they thought, oh well, if it wasn't seen, what's the point? But you know, it's it's just it's just a, a process of bettering yourself. You know, we're we're in a sport where things look luckily enough very rarely go wrong. But when they go wrong, you've you've got to be able to when they go wrong, they go wrong, and you've got to be able to to deal with that in any way, which or form. You know, that's dead right. Yeah, yeah. Sam, thank you very much for talking to us today. You're very welcome, my friend. You're very welcome. It's, uh, it's been lovely catching up. And same to you. And I wish you all the best yeah. with your flying career and your cadet career. Yeah, who knows? Maybe I can give you a report. Um, a report, you know, maybe another podcast and uh, give you a bit more explanation of the journey that, that I will have been on at that point. But uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Sam, thank you very much. Yeah.